Hello, hello. Welcome to my reinvented podcast, Taboo, where we talk about all the things people are afraid to talk about. If it makes you uncomfortable, I'm probably going to talk about it. Life is too short for ambiguity. So thank you for listening, and here we go. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Taboo. This week, I am very honored to present our very special guest, guest Edith, to our podcast. Edith was raised in Iran and is here to talk about the protests, the activation of women's rights, and everything happening over there right now. So without further ado, I will let Edith step on and introduce herself. Hi, thank you for having me on this podcast. I'm so honored to be able to have this opportunity to speak about something so important to me. Uh, my name is Edith. I was born in Iran. Uh, my family is Armenian. So it's like, um, it's like when a Hispanic kid is born in America and you get to be raised with, you know, speaking Spanish, eating like, you know, your food and growing up with your culture. So I was raised as an Armenian in an uh, Islamic country. But in the same time, I feel like a, a connection to both my countries. I always say I have two countries. It's Armenia and Iran, and my heart beats for both of them. But I was born there um, the last year of the war, the Iran and Iraq war. And um, it was a very difficult time for everybody because by the time I was born, the whole country was done with the new revolution and the war just started for seven years, they had war. And um, yeah, that was a very tough, mo tough time. But uh, as, soon as I remember like growing up, like being a little girl, I just remember cover, remember being limited, remember having limitation, you know, compared to guys, compared to little boys. So it was just such a normal thing. It became normal. So growing up all these years, we thought this is normal. We never thought that we can one day speak about what we don't like, what we're forced to do. And seeing all this happening, it just like warmed my heart with all the pain that I go through. I think it is beautiful to see people having awareness and standing up for their like, you know, the more consciousness they find out, they cannot be quiet. They just are standing. So, yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. I was hoping you could tell us a little bit more about how it was growing up in Iran. Like, what were some of those differences that you noticed between the females that were around you and the males? So growing up in an Armenian family, my parents, like Armenians are Christian. So the whole culture is a little bit different. So inside our families or family parties, we don't wear a scarves because we come from a different culture. But seeing all this happening, like if we are outside anywhere beside our home, 
we have to cover ourselves and seeing my Persian friends and how they are in their parties, how much limitation they have, it's crazy. And uh, so what, what I started noticing, it was as soon as I was nine years old, I had to wear an, a scarf going outside in the street. And I'm not talking when I was six years old, I started first grade, the first thing they give me was this little scarf. I had to take a picture, the picture that I hated to always have it. And I had to wear that scarf every day going to school. And I went to school more than regular kids because I had to go to school 8 to 12 p.m. for my Farsi classes and come back home, go back for my Armenian classes until 5 p.m. So imagine having a little a scarf on your like, you know, neck and throat for the entire day for eight hours and running with it. And it's not just the scarf, like we had to wear uniforms that is below our knee and we have to have a pants under that. <clears throat> and these uniforms come in like in the most saddest colors, like it's like gray, navy, and uh, the scarves are usually either white or black. And honestly, every kid's hated. I remember ripping off the bottom of the scarf next to my throat always because it was just like bothering me. And my mom always would sew it and be like, why do you do that? Your scarf gonna fall. But yeah, so it was very difficult. Although like, you know, seeing like in our culture, it's not something, or if I was going to Armenia, it was different, but I had to wear this the entire time. I remember I was like 12 years old walking with my aunt in the street and got very scared because this morality police was standing in the red light and they were stopping everybody. And my aunt was like, she's, she's nine, she's not even nine years old, like trying to convince them why I don't have a scarf and I'm wearing a hat. And um, <clears throat> yeah. So that things always happen. And then when I became a teenager, it became worse because I started figuring out myself. I started feeling more of what I want. Like I started realizing a whole new world. And <clears throat> that was really uh, a difficult time being in a country that everything is limited. So you do not have any place that you can go and hang out with your friends, like a cafe or a bar. Yeah, you can go to a cafe, but if they come in and see there is a couple boys and girls sitting together, you're arrested. If they come to the cafe and see your a scarf is a little bit like, you know, not the way they like to see, you're arrested. There is no bar. There is no alcohol. There is no uh, place to go dance. There is no place to go and be with your you know, uh, male friends. If you are uh, going out with a guy who is not your brother, he's not your dad, and you get stopped by morality police, they're gonna arrest you, they're gonna call your parents to bring the um, ID to show that these people are related. So as, um, since my dad is uh, kind of like, you know, young, I remember going out with him. We were actually going to a wedding one time and we were both dressed up and we got um, caught in the street and they were asking who he is and he explaining he's my dad. So we had to, you know, make sure that we have enough proof to show them this is my dad, this is nobody else. 
with me and just like that everything is like you know run and ruled by men so if you are a woman who your husband is hitting you he's cheating he's addicted or he has all the issues and you're going to ask for divorce because you basically don't want this miserable life the judge will tell you well is he providing then that's fine like you you don't have the right to talk you have to be the one that he wants you know if he's providing and if you're a woman it's so hard to get divorced if you don't have a dad or a family member because what are you going to do you're not going to be able to get a home you're not going to be able to get a passport you can't even you know go do like leave the country without your male guardian's um permission so even if you get divorced your life is going to be miserable so a lot of you know young mothers who they are going through this they stay they stay until their kids are older because they have no choice they have nowhere to go and in the same time they're like well i'm going to leave find a man and get married but how about my kids being with this miserable person you know so like a lot a lot of sacrifices like that you see and i'm not talking about all this like arranged marriage and all like not not being able to connect with a guy or like a woman before you get married you are most of the time set up you know uh so yeah it's like it's very difficult to be a woman in those in that land and it's it's crazy when i explain this to my friends that i went to school that they were all girls we never went to school with guys and they were always separate they they can't understand how that feels yeah as somebody born in america i'm hearing you speak and I'm I'm in shock because that sounds like such a distorted society. But I mean even going back to what you were sharing about your religion not being respected, it almost seems like no matter where you're from, if you're living in Iran, you basically are forced to be Muslim. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So like I mean, you can be Armenian or you can be like Jewish, but they don't like you as much and we get like people like in our school for example we had a teacher um that would be like oh i don't even want to get a pen from you or uh do not offer me a chip i'm not gonna so they have a word in their dictionary called nejes that you can find this word in any dictionary means anything dirty that is not related to Islam I cannot even describe translate this word but if you are anything beside muslim they don't really like you and the thing is that this was very big before but people waking up so like like you know like when i was in high school and my parents were people that they had like a lot of persian friends you know so people are waking up then they know this is not what it is like they're nicer the government always try to uh put this um you know distance and difference between us i mean armenians and persians history goes back to 400 years ago when armenians immigrated to iran and they were like kind of separated uh in the both side of a river uh is the city that i was born but little by little we started blending i mean 
we weren't allowed to get married or be with Persians because it's like um, it's like when they box you so much, you just want to be only with your community. So if an Armenian was to marry a Persian, they would get abandoned. But anyway, my parents were very open to have Persian friends. So I grew up seeing this, you know. And I remember I had a neighbor that his, her mom would let her play with us in the street or come to our home. But the grandma, as soon as she find out we are uh, Christian, she told her that you're not allowed to go to their home. And because also we had a dog and obviously they, they think dog is dirty. Like if you have a dog in Iran and you walk out in the street, they will grab your dog and kill in front of your face or they will take them. It's so sad. Like even talking about it, it's like shakes my heart. Like how this happened to so many people in there. Like this is like psychologically just like killing somebody. So if you have a pet you're, or like a dog, your dog is basically hidden in the house and it cannot be seen outside of the house or they kill it? Yeah, you have to be so careful when you're taking your dog out. Wow, that as a, as a fellow dog owner, that is absolutely insane. It is, it's, it's unbelievable. And like just recently, a couple of months ago, they did a, there were like uh, a street dogs somewhere. So they feed, I think they poisoned all these dogs and they killed like a mass amount of dogs there that people were just like going, you know, crazy for this because it was the saddest thing to watch all these hungry dogs and yeah. Wow, I, yeah, I, I don't even have words for that. It's It's, so mind-blowing to me that having the rest of the world continue to progress and evolve you know all these years and then I hear things like this still happening in Iran and some of these countries and you ask yourself how can a government and people who are running this government continue to carry these beliefs when the rest of the world lives so vastly different the interesting thing is that these people I think it's like they don't really believe in this because the majority of them, their kids are out of the country. Their kids dress like, they dress really bad and they just like party. And there is like, they call these people Aghazadeh. It means like they're born from this like um, religious headquarters in Iran. and because they're stealing the money of the government. So they're sending their kids out to the best of schools. They're like in America, in Canada, how do they have a residency? So now people in America, we're trying to get these people out of here. We're like, oh, if Iran is good, you're saying we did everything, we made this country the best. Why is it not good for your kids? Why are you sending your kids out? Why is your kid not following the rules you have, you know? So these people know what's going on. They're just like demons. They're trying to control the whole society like that and just steal more money. Like God knows how much money they took out in these 40 days 
of protests to out of you know country and they're trying to run away wow so it more it's based just on the idea of oppressing the entire group of people for their own capitalism and their own personal benefit yeah exactly wow and can you speak a little bit about what life as a woman is like there like are women able to be teachers and hold jobs or drive or things like that yeah well driving wasn't so common when i was little i remember my mom having a car but it wasn't common so everybody would be like oh your mom drives like it became more common by the time i was older and then as a woman you can have a job like you can be a teacher obviously in girls school especially or um, you can go to school and study and become a lawyer or all these things but the way they treat you is going to be so much different. I give you one small example. You go to buy bread in a bakery in Iran. There is line for guys and girls, like male and female have line for bakery. So if there is something going on, like they don't count you as a, they're like, what are you talking? You're just a woman, you know, like, it's not, we're not respected um, as much. And I get that question here when I do an interview for work, they usually tell me, why are you so enthusiastic and why are you so like, you know, motivated? I was like, let me tell you where I come from. From where I come from, you will know why am I so happy for this opportunity you're giving me? Why am I so grateful for being able to live in somewhere safe that I don't wake up and my nerves shake and like feel, and this fear state, I, I was talking to my sister about this, this fear state in us so bad that sometimes that I wake up with no anxiousness or anxiety. I'm like, what do we have today to care? Like, you know, like it's so deep down rooted in us that it will take years to break down this anxiousness that we feel. And it's like, not only this little, little things getting far from your question, but there is like the religious times in, in the country. For example, we have Ramadan, we have uh, Muharram, all these times, the country goes through a whole dead. So like 40 days, they come out and they just like cry and they just hit themselves for uh, religious, you know, um, occasion, I want to say. And all these things, this sadness, like they promote so much of sadness and so much of darkness that we forget about the beautiful culture we had because Iran was not like this. Like it's one of the most rich cultures. Like during the Alexander the Great or Cyrus the Great, we used to treat women very, very good. They, they could be a general, they could be soldier, they could be governor, they could, they were very respected they own lands they own like you know a lot of things and it wasn't like this and he was the first person who wrote down the the rights and the peace and it's like it's still existing in in this like really beautiful sculpture that comes from long time ago and we always had a king until 43 years ago there did this revolution and it just everything came back to 
uh, religious. And you, you know, my, my grandparents tells me that at beginning when this revolution came, it wasn't like they didn't tell us what are they're gonna force us. They didn't tell us they're gonna force us hijab. They're gonna do this to women, you know? We weren't promised these things. They brought these things and um, a lot of people were disagree with the king to leave. And um, they made King to look really bad, but he was not, uh, he was a really good and educated person, really caring for his country, you know? And um, yeah, and little by little, my grandma said, at first they said, oh, you just need to cover a little bit your hair. And then, oh, you need to wear a longer sleeve. And little by little, they bring uniform, they bring a scarf, you know? That's why when during pandemic, they started forcing the mask, me and my sister were like having this phobia or a lot of Iranians because we were like, oh my God, like this is gonna be like hijab. They're gonna be for, we came here to not hear somebody force us something. And this is so scary. So I was freaking out different than other people here. And so yeah, being a woman is so difficult, you know, I'm very proud of my mom raising us like this to urge for freedom so much that when I was 20 years old, I was like, I got to get out of here. This is not going to change. But seeing all this happening, I know I will go back to my country one day. I want to be in service there because I know my people need this the most. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that and giving us an intimate look at how you grew up. Would you mind sharing how old you were when you left Iran and when you got to the US and how that transition was for you coming from a place where life is so different? Yes, so I was 22 years old and I come from a family that I never worked. My dad always provided. And he also was the, like, the only word, whatever he says, it's the word, but I gather my power and I applied for a refugee to come to United States since Armenians have this uh, way of getting out of the country. And I had to go to Austria and um, take a couple interviews in the embassy and explain them why do I want to leave my country. And by the time I got to Austria, I didn't know one word in English. I didn't even know where is California on the map. I didn't have money and no relatives here. So all I had was my faith and was that I want to save my mom and my sister from the same place I saved myself. So I had a childhood friend in the United States who picked me up in the airport and she, you know, helped me out for months. She gave me place and like teach me around. And um, little by little, I started, you know, learning English, working as a from caregiver until now that I'm a, a store manager. But um, I knew that this is the way. Doesn't matter where I'm going. I know wherever I'm going is better than where I come from. And when I got here, also. I knew there is no way to go back. There were days I would like wake up but not open my eyes and just think, am I gonna like open my eyes in my room in my parents' house? You know, like just daydreaming that because 
because I would miss it so much. It doesn't matter where you are. It's your country. It's the land calling you. And so I would wake up <clears throat> with the hope that I'm there, but little by little, I think I made home here. I mean, I feel so familiar and like I have my family now, my job, my friends, but there is something about where you've been raised. And, and going through all these painful things, I know not only me, all my friends are shedding this like ancestral pain deep down in ourselves. We are not there. We don't even feel even one person of the pain these people are feeling in the country, but but like I see it in my dreams, like I can feel I'm working on something, even though being far energetically so connected. Yeah, so that's how I came here and uh, now I'm a citizen. That, I wanna applaud you because one, even though I've known you, I had no idea that you had come here alone until you just shared this with me because I had never asked you that before. So that takes so much courage. Like I can't even imagine what it's like to go to a country where you don't speak the language, where you don't understand the culture here because it's so vastly different from your own. So, wow, yeah. you are so brave and so powerful. That is incredible. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, they changed as, as soon as I got here, they asked my name and I was like, Edith. And they're like, what? And they're like, spell it for us. And as soon as I say it, they're like, oh, you mean Edith? And I was like, no, it's Edith, but it changed. Like that second, everything changed. And I felt like, oh, my name is changing my whole Everything was so different from my name to everything else. So, Wow. And how were you able to get your sister and your mom to also come here? So I um, became a sponsor for them. I applied for everything for my parents, my family. And um, I was able to get them to Austria in the same way, but they got a stuck so long in Austria and they were stuck there in a really cold and difficult time and it was just so expensive we were all in different side of this planet I was in U.S. they were in Austria my dad was in Iran and it was just like a very hectic time but uh yeah they after like seven eight months I think they were able to get here and at the beginning obviously it was hard you know because my mom is like 54 and like for her to go through all this cultural change and suddenly not working anything in her life and being an artist she had to figure her life out so in that age is difficult and I can I can see my whole family grow together to another level from that time and it's just so beautiful to watch that yeah I, I think you're very lucky that they were all able to come here with you and I'm sure that you also still have a lot of family over there in Iran right yes and especially my sister is a Persian artist so she raps and being a rapper in Iran you can sing if you're a woman you cannot sing you cannot dance like nobody can dance 
But if you're a woman, they cannot hear your voice as a singer. So it's so sad to know how much like talent we have in this country. They can play instruments. They're just like the whole culture, the poet. It's like such a beautiful, like playful culture back then. And they make it so sad. So yeah, my sister is also gay. So like she being a person who loves the same gender, they would have just like, you know, hang her, her, her thing would be execution. Like that's what they do. Cause you cannot see that. So she cannot go back to the country until they free. So. And have you been able to go back and visit since you left or no? I went back two times because uh, the first time I just missed everybody. I had to go back. I was very stressed to go back. But the second time my father uh, was he in his own place. They stabbed my dad and uh, he went through a lot of things with the government. I just went back to be with him. But for my dad, he's like, I've been here all my life. He wanted it to come by, but it's paperwork didn't work. And he's like, I've been here all my life. Like I'm a man doesn't, they don't do anything to me. You know, it's not that he has a future, like he's comfortable where he is right now. So um, yeah, it's different. Okay. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that and giving us so many intimate details of your life. I know that's super courageous and takes a lot of like boldness to share with everybody. Thank you. Thank you so much for letting me speak about this. It means so much for me, for people to know, to hear something beside what the TV and media and everything are showing. I think when you're there, you can speak what happened on your skin and it's so different would you mind talking a little bit about exactly what it is that's happening there and why it's happening and you know what the current morality police is doing and everything like that yeah so the protest started from when they were uh, arresting a girl um because of her hijab, which her hijab I saw it was perfect, but I saw the video at the time they were putting her in the car, they hit her head extremely heavy to the car. So she got uh, unconscious and they took her to hospital and passed away. But that wasn't the only excuse. This was just like a little push to people who they are tired for 43 years for being poor, for not, like this country is super rich country from north to south. We have everything, every kind of landscape, every kind of treasure, you name it. And since the government is corrupted, like people don't get anything. So they're living in poverty. The the currency is going higher and it's not one thing that they're protesting right now. Like I think Massa Amini, the woman who passed away, it just like became an angel. She is just the, she was just an excuse for this to happen. And, <clears throat> and women are standing up this time. They're like, enough is enough. You know, like we, we are more powerful to be told what to do. And like, I think 
it's like our human evolution, our collective consciousness also, we are just getting to a point that when you become so aware, you can't be quiet. And this is what is happening. And um, I never liked technology, but I think having this technology in which I'm grateful we get to talk, um, also makes us so aware, makes us more educated of what is going on and this is not what we want. So this time woman is leading this protest. This protest happens for like, I want to say 43 years, every year they started and it shut down again. But this time woman is leading and they're just like, you know, I see videos, they go sit in front of the police and open their arms like, just hit me. Just don't go to my people, you know? They're just too courageous that, like, I watch videos and I just get so emotional and proud in my heart. It's just, it's beautiful. And yeah, the morality police is still existing. The thing is that in Iran, the police, the army, the military, everything is under one party. You know how we have Democrats and Republicans here? over there during election, you do get to candidate, but they're the same party. <laughs> there is no, there is no such a difference. Whoever you pick, it's gonna rule under the same leader, under the same laws. So people stop going to vote. Right, so it's almost like no matter who you vote for, the outcome is gonna be the same because they have the same beliefs and they're working for the same party. So what point, what yeah. point is there in voting? Yeah, and they're not they're not protesting for religious right now. They're like, we just want if you want to wear a hijab, wear a hijab. We want everybody to be themselves, liberated, and do what they want to do. It's not like we're against Islam. No, we know the majority of people in Iran are Muslim. Right. So they're basically just protesting for basic rights and freedom to do what they want to do. Yeah, and and even Islam is not like this. Like. Nowhere they said that it's you're fine to go kill somebody because they don't believe in your religion. Right. It's almost like they extrapolated the terms that they thought were convenient from the religious text and used this as an excuse to continue propagating the beliefs that they want society to have and the oppression that they think women should have. Exactly. <clears throat> wow, that is wild. Do you see this? actually going somewhere this time because you had mentioned that this happens every year yes i do see this going somewhere this never happened like this this is very big with like 42 days i think or 44 days that this protest is going on and um it's very big in a um in other countries as well so iranians are just coming out in every single country and seeing this much Iranians out of the Iran, you can tell like all these genius people left because it's just, you know, they know that's not the place. And um, besides telling that many of these genius peoples are also prisoned in uh, the middle of Tehran, we have a, a very important prison that all these like journalists and important, like really, really smart genius people are kept there and um, during this protest one night they actually tried to burn the prison and there was this saying they're like nowhere in this planet people get war more worried for the prisoners than the police 
and it's just the truth but yeah all these people from out of iran imagine if these people go back there like and start building the country like we're all so hopeful and i think the reason that this time we're going to change something because as a collective we are more awake right now we we are more standing next to each other i think it's it's so beautiful to see how we are together this time um i went to one of the protests before i get there i was bawling and crying and i got there and i just felt so much love and my sister was like behind me she's like i love these people i just love these people and i was like can you please stop talking i'm just feeling it so like you could feel the love in the air and it was so vibrating that's so beautiful what do you think iran could look like if this protest is successful and the women who are fighting get what they want that's actually the best question i tell we already imagined this it's so late we're going to win so i think what i imagine <clears throat> i imagine the like i imagine myself being able to take people on a tour and showing this beautiful lands and talking about my culture and seeing like you know being able for women to be possibly a president one day and a revolution that is run by them and this is going to change a big thing in the whole planet like for for you know saving the feminine like this it's going to bring a much um different kind of i want to say peace but i imagine a beautiful free iran who everybody can love anybody they want they can think whatever they want they can be happy they can have the permission to express themselves the way they want like you know knowing how dancing singing praying all these things are medicine and seeing how my people are not able to have this medicine it's it's sad but i can also imagine it reversed and see all these things seeing all my friends being together and not feeling fear of like oh my god we're going to get arrested like be quiet bring the music down you know like having that peace and letting other people to come to our country because nobody goes visit there everybody is afraid like the world needs to see this and feel this warm culture and it that's that's what i want for it <laughs> That's such a beautiful dream and I'm sure all of us here in America especially the women we want the same thing and I know the people who are over there in Iran and all those brave women who are fighting the brave fight also have the same dreams and aspirations which you know you said need permission but honestly those basic freedoms shouldn't require permission they should just be there for you to choose whether you want them or not and what you want to believe in and what you don't want to believe in that's the beauty of the human experience and individuality so so beautiful sure. what do you have as advice for people here in america on ways that they can help ways that they can be involved places that they can look to for actual updates that are unbiased so i think my advice the biggest advice is that these people are we are not able to support these people with money 
we're not looking for money the only thing we can do is to post more and just like raise awareness like at work i tell people you know i tell i try to tell or write or send messages or make sure everybody knows it um unfortunately we all know that how, how this media is like censored you know and like it's a big political thing that they censor things that it's not in in their favor or whatever but i think this needs only awareness that's the only thing gonna save these people and um, writing to their representatives you know like feeling all this if, if they have iranian friends and see like a link that they can vote for you know getting this um uh religious uh iranian people out of other countries like because they're like a lot of them they're part of this like uh you know uh, the embassies that they're existing out of iran and they're all over here like they shouldn't be here like why why are these people freely living so this is things that we're trying as an iranian out of country that's the only thing we can do for them and um just to tell them more i noticed that um they were trying to like you know bringing other subjects in the media to cover this to make this you know hashtags go down but iranians keep going like day to night like so that's that's the only thing to give to tell people about it even if somebody is not posting i'm like it's your life but tell your kids tell your cousins like let them know what's going on you know also it's not only for me it also it it makes them recognize how lucky they are and it brings a gratefulness in the person knowing like oh i have hands somebody on the other side don't have hands like it just makes you more grateful you know so they can look at it two ways <laughs> absolutely and that's why i'm so grateful to you for agreeing to come on this podcast because hearing your perspective as somebody who was fortunate enough to claim asylum and live here, although you grew up there, you're able to share such a tremendous amount of insight for those of us who are, quite frankly, we were just lucky. We were privileged to be born in this country where everything is given to us. We can say what we want, we can do what we want, and we can complain all we want and nothing happens to us. So just to hear these stories from your childhood and hear you share what life is like for thousands of people over there is, so incredibly powerful. And I hope that everybody who listens to this episode will share it with their friends and family so that we can continue to spread that awareness and propagate the message. Thank you so much for giving me a, the opportunity to speak. When you told me about it, I was just very grateful. I was like, this is a great opportunity. I think this is the most I can do. And I feel I love your podcast as you know I'm one of your biggest fans and <laughs> I always share your meditations and the podcast and me and Tracy usually talk about it and um, I really feel grateful to have my voice somewhere that I truly believe in. Thank Absolutely you. and it's your voice is so powerful because you're from there you know it's it's different when I say it because I'm living here in the U.S. and I was born here but to hear it from your perspective from your view and your experiences is 
tenfold more powerful. So thank you so much for taking your time and your energy to come talk about your life and your country with us. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you. All right, everybody. Until next time, I'm going to link Edith's information in the description. So if you want to reach out to her, message her on Instagram or get in contact with her, I will share that information with you all. Thank you so much for listening and tune in for next week's episode. Thank you.